It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, what's going on? It's your Wednesday episode of Locked On Raptors. And on today's show, we have a feel-good loss to talk about. The Raptors falling 99-95 to the Phoenix Suns last night. The first time in a while they've taken on a fully or close to fully healthy opponent and a very challenging one at that in the case of the Phoenix Suns. And I'm joined today by Joseph Cacharo from The Score and Pound the Rock to sort through it all. What does this tell us about a team that we've been sort of waiting to learn something real about against the real opponent? And uh, we'll, we'll dig into all sorts of different things. We're also going to talk about the big three, the Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi, Fred Van Vliet triumvirate that combined for 68 of the Raptors' 95 points last night. Just how real are they? Just how well do they stack up with the rest of the big threes in the Eastern Conference? We will get into all of that on today's show. In addition to handing out a very special due to the game, that's all coming up on today's Locked on Raptors. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked on Raptors. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the free time of the Hail Mary 3 by Mopey. Get that garbage out of here. Welcome to episode number 1095 of Locked On Raptors for Wednesday, January the 12th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors. And you can follow, subscribe to, rate, review the podcast on all your favorite podcast apps for the low, low price of On The House. So be sure to go and do that. And go to the YouTube page and support over there. Really big week on YouTube. Thanks to everyone who's tuned in. Thanks to all the people who are commenting and chatting about the trade ideas I proposed yesterday. Lots of Terrence Ross support, which you know really speaks to my sensibilities. So thank you to those of you who have been taking part and supporting the YouTube page. It's wonderful. And as always, a thank you for making us your first listen of the day. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Check out prizepicks.com. Use the promo code NBA or go to your app store and download the app today. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. More on them in a little bit. All right, let's dig into it. The Raptors lose 99-95 last night. A bit of a heartbreaker at the end, but overall a very, very encouraging 48 minutes of basketball for your Toronto Raptors. And joining me to dig into it from the wonderful Pound the Rock podcast, probably my favorite NBA podcast, and uh, of course the score as well is Joseph Basharo. How's it going, pal? It's going well, man. Going well. Always appreciate the very flattering intros you give me. So. <laughs> There's nothing. Anytime someone decides to punch down and hang out with me, I have no, to no. be very thankful and appreciative. So, uh, <laughs> well, so Joey Cash, before we get into basketball stuff, I do have to talk to you about something very important. If you have listened to this podcast where Joey Cash has been on in the past, which maybe you have, maybe you haven't, I don't think you've been on in the YouTube era. And I think there are a lot of new sort of adopters of the show since then. So I'll give you a little context. We've had our uh, our feuds in the past about me not liking some Italian things like The Godfather and most notably Nutella, the delicious hazelnut spread, or something I thought not to be delicious for a long time. I have a confession, Joey Cash. 
Let's get I'm to not it. just a Nutella boy. I'm just like an any hazelnut chocolatey spread, anything. You got like a rolled up cookie with some hazelnut inside. I've become a hazelnut boy, and thus I suppose I'm a Nutella boy. I don't know what I guess you have just like my snacking habits during the pandemic, sort of like ranging out at a new sort of uh boundaries. You're, I guess that's sort of to attribute to this change in my palate, but uh the, please gloat. You have you've been proven right. Nutella is good, in fact. Yeah, I think the <laughs> pandemic, it sounds like, has refined your palate. <laughs> you've got you've got a little more taste for international flavor now. But uh yeah, I mean, you know you know I was shocked when I first heard that you you were anti-Nutella and um, it's a great Italian export. I mean, <laughs> to be honest, even growing up, like whenever I'd mentioned that to friends or something, everyone was so every non-Italian was always surprised to learn that Nutella actually is Italian. So right. I guess the the guy or the family that owns it, it's the Ferrero family. So if you like right. Ferrero Rocher, if you like Kinder Surprise, you like like all that stuff. That's all Nutella. They're very rich. They do good stuff. Yeah. They do uh, good they, stuff. They've earned their fortune, I suppose. They have. No one's really earned their fortune who has a yeah. fortune, but that's a conversation for a yeah. politics or an economics podcast. We're on a basketball podcast, Joey Cash, and we have a fun game to talk about. So let's get into it, shall we? The Raptors again lose to the Suns last night. The league leading Phoenix Suns now at 31 and 9, with the Warriors losing last night. Raptors fall to 20 and 18. You get 68 combined points from Pascal Siakamoji, Ananobi, and Fred Van Vliet. You get a wonderful 13.16 rebounds from Chris Boucher off the bench. It was a really sort of fun, exciting, thrilling basketball game. Even with no fans in attendance, it really felt like it had like a playoff type intensity to it, which was awesome. And I want to start here, Joey Cash, with like sort of the big takeaway from this one. And I guess the big takeaway is more of a question of what are the big takeaways from this game? Because this is the first time the Raptors have played a healthy and whole opponent in a little while. Their six-game winning streak all came against teams that were missing their best player or some combination of very good players on their roster. And it, you know, we, we, we thought there was some good things in there, but weren't really sure how it would carry over when a real opponent came through town. A very real opponent came through town last night. The Raptors nearly pulled one out. Joey Cash... Does this give any sort of credence to you to that six-game winning streak and sort of say, all right, yeah, yeah, that was against bad opponents, but there's something a little deeper happening here in terms of positive trajectory for this team that you think you can kind of buy into now, now that you've seen them go toe-to-toe against the Suns? Yeah, for sure, I think it does. And whether it gives credence to or lends credence to uh, the six-game winning streak, it's almost like who cares? I think it lends credence to the fact that this team can compete with the best in the league um, you know, beat them, probably not, especially in a playoff yeah. setting, but compete with them on a night-to-night basis, yes. And mm-hmm. I think it's important for people to remember as well, this was only the eighth game this season that Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi, and Fred Van Vliet played together. Yeah. They're now 6-2 and two in those eight games. Again, yes, a lot of those wins did come during this last winning streak when these teams were depleted, but you can only play and beat who's in front of you. Mm-hmm. And as we're talking about now, in their first real litmus test, as a 2021-2022 Big Three, they went toe-to-toe with last year's finalists uh, who were healthy, had their regular starting lineup intact, and they played them literally wire-to-wire in a close contest. You know, they looked good early. They faded a bit down the stretch, which does tend to happen in the NBA or in pro sports in general when the superior team just kind of takes over as the game goes on. But mm-hmm. I really don't think, unless you came into this season or even went into last night's game thinking that this team was a title contender, which you you shouldn't have been doing, (laughs) I don't see how 
last night's game as a whole results, all of it don't encourage you that this team is like on the right track and that they are good right now in the future. They're, they're not great yet, yeah. but I think they're good in the present. I think the young talent on this team obviously teases a, a great potential future, but they're good right now and they can compete right now on a night-to-night basis when they're healthy. When they've got those three guys in the lineup, Van Vliet, Siakam, and Anobi, they should be competing on a night-to-night basis. I don't care who is on the other end of the court. Totally. And I think you could argue that had they had Gary Trent Jr. and Scotty Barnes available, that's probably an easy win considering how they played overall. And, you know, just like the the life that Gary Trent Jr. breathes into the offense, man, they're missing that big time right now because Utah Watanabe, I love Utah, but the last couple of games have been super rough. Or I guess this was his first game back in a little while. Um, you know, he just could not knock anything down within that starting five. You know, I, obviously you expect he'll kind of round back into form as he gets back into the swing of things after being out with COVID for a week. But like that was a really, really rough state of affairs in that starting five. It really like this game was wild because it was essentially three guys being given the green light to do things on offense. And then the rest of the team was just like designated the, like the rebound crew. And it ended up being like kind of a workable formula, obviously not going to be enough against a team like the Suns. And I mean, you get into a game where it's that close late, you kind of open yourself up to getting owned by Chris Paul mid range shots, which is what happened. And like, that's just what he does. But overall Chris Paul I I tweeted it last night too towards the end of the game but like Chris Paul gets to the middle of the floor gets to his mid-range shot gets to his gets to floater range and gets his shot off like honestly just start jogging back the other way yeah (laughs) because that thing's going down like yeah (laughs) it was it was rough man but like I I was I, I guess the thing I was most encouraged about in this game and sort of my biggest takeaway is that like you know there's been this sort of talk about the Raptors defense and how good is it actually and it's really struggling they're they're around 20th in the league it's weird because it feels like they've had some good performances lately and it's just not budged them at all in the overall like defensive standings and I I think like I test wise they're looking a lot better than that last night they were incredible hold the Suns to 99 points hold the Suns to uh, what was it? Forty percent shooting and twenty-one percent. Oh no, that was the Raptors splits. That was a bad. Forty-seven uh, percent <laughs> shooting, thirty-four percent from three. Um, and, and you know, the, I thought they were really, really fantastic in terms of the discipline in their rotations. They were really on point in a way that when the Raptors are humming along, they always are. And, and so I think this game, for if I'm thinking of things going forward, like I already know Siakam, Fred, and OG are awesome, and I'll, we'll get into them a little bit more in terms of their standing within the East in the next segment, but. As far as the defense goes, like this game gave me a lot of hope and belief that this defense is far more legit than the 20th team, 20th defense in the league. And I would expect a pretty meteoric rise here over the back part of the season. Is it too much to expect them to climb up into the sort of range of the top 10? Or do you think the talent and, you know, hopefully the reps that are to come for this team still are enough to push them up the standings pretty significantly here? I think if they're healthy, they should move up the defensive rankings in terms of defensive efficiency. Now, I think the flip side to that is, and I know they were missing Gary, who, like you meant, like missing Gary is big because he is the bailout guy. Yeah. Like, a guy that can, you know, sure, there's going to be some shots where you're yelling no, no, no before you yell yes, and, and it actually goes in because it's maybe not the smartest shot or it's it comes at an inopportune time or it's just they're they're – they could have found a better look on that possession. But on this team and the way that they struggle or should struggle in the half court, you need a guy like Gary Trent to be able to bail you out of some possessions. And they were actually desperately needing that last night against a very good Suns defense. 
Now, having said that, still, even with Gary in the lineup, I do think the same way we're talking about um, defensive regression to the mean actually mean a meaning a progression up the defensive ranks. Yeah, I do think that might coincide with this team looking like more who we thought they were, which means the offense regresses to the mean in the opposite direction. And yeah. I actually think the funny thing with last night is that that was more in line with the team I expected to watch right. this season, <laughs> where it's like they're defending their asses off. Um, like the, the, some of those late fourth quarter possessions where the Suns are moving the ball beautifully and they score on most of them, actually. The Raptors' defensive activity, hustle, um, just moving on a string as a team, like all of it was almost flawless. It was flawless. They just ended up allowing, not even allowing, the shot just went in. But mm -hmm. it was pretty much flawless defense. Offensively, they struggled all night and stayed alive because of their offensive rebounds. Like that very much was the team I expected to watch this season, right? Like yeah. we know they're undersized from a pure height perspective, but they've actually got great length and length and effort can make up for being undersized, not overall, but it can in certain areas crashing the glass the offensive rebound is one way and we knew coming into this year because i think nick nurse talked about it coming into the year but they were going to crash the offensive glass they're second in offensive rebound rate last year last night they uh rebounded more than 43 percent of their misses <laughs> there was 41 available defensive rebounds for the suns to grab the raptors grabbed 22 of them <laughs> Sorry, there was 51 and they grabbed 22 yeah. of them that, that yeah. makes more sense <laughs> but uh, so, but that's what I thought was uh, interesting that this was the team I expected. They defended the Rasses off, defended really well. Their offense had to subsist on crashing the offensive glass and getting second chances because the half court offense was pretty muddied. And even in transition, the Suns do a good job of getting back. But the thing that burned them last night is that they put up big numbers in the offensive rebound category, but it didn't really result in anything. Like they ended up yeah. with 16 second chance points, which yeah. when you have 22 offensive rebounds is nowhere near enough, especially when your half court offense is what the Raptors is and was last night. Like they had 12 more offensive rebounds than the Suns, but only outscored them in second chance points by five points. Yeah. And that, <laughs> right. That, that was almost the game right there. Like you finish a few more of those, offensive rebounds, putbacks, whatever, they probably win that game because of that offensive rebounding. So in so many ways, it was the team that I expected to watch this season and I think might be the team that we see more often in the second half of the season where the defense ends up being closer to what we thought it would be, but that probably means the offense slides back to what we thought it would be because as you know, encouraging as the offense has been this season, I'm not sure I believe that they can be a top 10 offense, you know, basically wire to wire. But I also think they're a lot better than the 20th ranked defense. Yeah, I, I'm, I want to dive a little bit further into this and sort of move it into a conversation about the sort of big three that the team is built around, right? And it's not really a big three because Scotty Barnes and Gary Trent Jr. are huge parts of this team as well. So it's, you know, it's a big three with two very large uh, fours and fives as well. Uh, but we will get into that in just a second. I have an interesting stat from uh, NBA.com as well I want to dive into that kind of all plays into this like bafflingly effective offense that doesn't really make any sense that we expect to regress, but maybe you just never will. We'll get to that in just one second here. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. If you have not checked it out yet, you're missing out. I'm telling you, you got to go check out this app for NBA and mixed sport pickums. 
and you can go right now. It's the very best NBA DFS prop game on the market. You can download the app and it offers more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator and offers all the superstar players as well as bench players only recording a handful of minutes each game. You want to bet on Justin Champagny, take the over on offensive rebounds. That sounds like a way to win yourself some cash with prize picks. You can offer or they offer any prop you can think of from points, assists, rebounds, threes made, etc. All of the users that deposit and use the promo code NBA get a 100% deposit match up to $100. That is an incredible deal. Get yourself 200 bucks to play with just by putting in that promo code NBA. You pick two to five players, you get an over-under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry, and it's just you versus the projected numbers. And you can also do mixed sport entries as well, right? So if you want to do like the over on Joel Embiid points and the under on, oh God, who's an NFL quarterback who's still in the playoffs? This is exposing me. Jalen Hurts rushing yards? I don't know. Then you can go and uh, and do that as well on prize picks. It is a wonderful, wonderful thing. You get to mix all the sports you love and win some cash. It is the award-winning app. You can find it both on the App Store and Google Play. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy and prize picks is safe and offers fast cash withdrawals. So go to prizepicks.com today. Use the promo code NBA in the App Store and download the app and uh, get yourself that 100% match. If you're not playing prize picks, you honestly do not know what you are missing. Go check it out. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, we continue on here with Joseph Gasharo of Pound the Rock and the score on your first listen of the day. Let's continue on that thread we were on, sort of about the expected regression for this team. You know, again, the, the offense last night sort of hinted towards, hey, maybe this isn't a top 10 level offense. Again, you got to bake in the fact that they were playing with three dudes and a bunch of guys who were not really offering a whole lot outside of Chris Boucher, who was also four for nine from the field. And, and like we've talked about the the idea of the, the offense not being a top 10 offense sort of on talent and merit all season long and have been expected it to fall apart. And it has not. <laughs> it's, it's kind of baffling. It still remains a top 10 D offense, number nine in the NBA as of this morning per NBA.com at 110.9 points per 100 possessions scored. Even sort of furthering this as well, Joey Cash, interesting stat for you. I was digging into the Raptors' crunch time numbers today because they lost a close game last night. I always like to see how they're doing in that department. Obviously, these samples are noisy and kind of arbitrary in terms of their endpoints. But either way, the Raptors right now, in terms of clutch minutes, which is within five points, under five minutes left in the game, they've played 60 of such minutes this season, have the number five offense in the NBA in clutch situations, 117.7. Uh, they have a plus 4.8 net rating in, cl- in, in crunch time. Crunch time. I'm, I'm surprised by these numbers, honestly. And like the way people talk about how the, the late game offense works, it, you know, you would think that they were like the worst offensive team in the world, but they're not. They also have some weird numbers kind of buoying this. They currently have a 47.9 effective field goal percentage in crunch time. That is the uh, 18th best figure in the league. Nowhere near the other teams in the top 10 in terms of uh, crunch time offense. And their offensive rebounding rate in crunch time. Let me ask you this, Joey Cash. Over under, I'm not even going to give you, just guess the number. What do you think the Raptors crunch time offensive rebounding rate is? Factoring in that last night is probably going 
going to juice those numbers up a little bit. Yeah, and the fact that you just told me they have the fifth most efficient crunch time offense despite having a 47.9 effective <laughs> field goal percentage. I'm going to say that their offensive rebound rate is probably like 55 or something insane. It is 51.3, uh, 10 percentage points higher than the Memphis Grizzlies in That's crunch time. They just, the, the beautiful, this was a thing last night. There was a stretch after Pascal Siakam picked up his fifth foul. They burned like a minute of clock just picking up a whole bunch of offensive rebounds yeah. and uh, just kicking it back out and missing and kicking it back out. Beautiful, beautiful run out the clock uh, game plan there for the Raptors. I'm sure it was all very intentional, but um, you know, this kind of, Leads me into a question I want to pose to you, kind of about that OG Siakam Fred trio, Joey Cash. Like, they they should not be as good as they are offensively, but they keep performing at a pretty high level, and it's been even more sort of amplified since everyone got back. You have Fred Van Vliet working in a more sort of healthy for the offense position, off the ball, doing the jitterbug thing, flying around, relocating hitting off ball uh, catch and shoot threes. You got Pascal Siakam carving apart defenses, diving into them, plunging in, kicking out, finding big, scoring on his own. Like the sort of ecosystem for the offense seems a lot healthier now that they have these guys available. You know, are we kind of maybe underrating the possibility that these three guys can sort of uphold a very good offense just on their own, basically? Like, is that a possibility here that, yes, all the other stuff is noisy and suggests that there should be a drop off, but maybe those three guys are just really good. I mean, for sure they are. I I would hope no one's doubting that. I guess it. I guess the answer depends on what you define as really good, or like, sure. Do I think you can have a solid, good, sustainable offense with those three guys? Yes. Do I think you can have an elite offense, like top five type offense, if those three guys are your one, two, and three in the offensive pecking order? Probably not. Mm-hmm. But but you don't need a top five offense to contend if you have a top ten defense and a sorry if you have a top ten offense and a great defense as this team sure. really should, sure. then you can be a really good team. So you know whatever their ceiling is offensively with these three guys, I still think if the team is built adequately around them, and I think they are on the right track there, I think they can still be a really good team regardless of you know whether they end up proving capable of carrying a fourth ranked offense or a ninth ranked one, because I think mm -hmm. there, this team can be built in ways that's can kind of work around that. Yeah, that makes sense. Like it, it's weird. Cause like, I don't think they're a championship core by any means. Like I, I think, you know, maybe in time, the, the sort of development takes place. There's more from OG, there's more from Siakam and he expands more, all this stuff. Fred continues to shoot like freaking Steph Curry. Maybe it just kind of happens where, Oh, all of a sudden this team feels like they can kind of punch with the heavy hitters. I don't think they're quite there yet. Probably won't ever get there. But like, this is a really good trio. And I think last night was a really great proof of concept, uh, you know, stealing a take from our pal Assad Alvi over there. Like, it was a real proof of concept win or game for those three guys. And I guess my question to you, Joe Cash, is like, where do those three guys slot in for you as far as like, the three pillars of a franchise you go around the league you compare them it's tough to compare to 30 teams on a podcast like this but like within the eastern conference for example i think you'd obviously take like the bucks trio the nets trio the uh the heat you know big three guys as, as well over them but like after that i mean probably the bulls too but you know do you think it's like reasonable to kind of slot them in as like the fifth best top three in the, in the eastern conference right now like 
it, it does that like this feels like kind of modest praise i suppose but like I feel like there was this thought about this trio, this team coming into the year that, oh, maybe they'll sort of fight around for the play. And like, no, these three guys are just really good and could potentially carry a team to pretty good things, even if it's not championship level contention. Like there's a lot to really like about the way these three guys sort of gel with one another. And obviously their defensive prowess across the board is maybe the best. <laughs> like there might be the best one, two, three defensive trio in the Eastern Conference right now. Like it's a really, really impressive group. What say you to like where they kind of slot in in terms of the pecking order of big threes in the Eastern Conference right now? I mean, if, if you made the comment there about the defensive trio, I think if you talk just defensive upside in a trio, they can go toe to toe with literally any big three in the league defensively. Yeah. yeah. Um, overall, I I think you got it right. I think they're the fifth best big three if you want to call them that in the East. I Brooklyn, obviously, um, Miami, Milwaukee, and and no particular order, obviously. But and then Chicago, like I think some people might debate that Chicago um, selection, but you look at what they're doing this year. You you got to give them the respect. It's their first yeah. year, the three of them together, DeRozan, Levine, and Vucevic, and they're number one in the East right now, and have a lot of underlying metrics that indicate they're closer to real contender than they are to pretender. So I'm, I'll give them their respect. I can't say the Raptors' big three is better than them, but after those four. Who in the East has a better top three? Like Philly obviously has the best, like has a better player yeah. <laughs> among their big three than any of the And Raptors he's his largest three. three. It's like some right. combinations of three right. humans. Yeah. But, <laughs> you know, Tobias Harris and Seth Curry right now, because Ben Simmons isn't there. Like, I don't think they're helping him tip the scales against that hmm. Raptors top three. And then you keep going down the list and it's like. Maybe the you know, Cavs guys. Yeah, the Cavs, I think, you know, I think the Cavs could have, if you're a Cavs fan right now, I think the argument would be like the upside or the future of sure. their big three. If you want to say Garland, Mobley, and, and Allen, or, because uh, I don't think they'd include Sexton at this point, um, uh, then I could have that argument with them. But if you're telling me like right now, that trio is better than the Van Vliet, Siakam, and Obi trio, I don't think that would be correct. I don't think it mm -hmm. is. You know, Boston, like if you're going only top twos, big twos, I think, Boston would have a case to be ahead of the, the Raptors best too, but you, you bring it to a third guy and it's like, who's their third guy? Dennis Schroeder. I don't know. Like, it's uh, I think, yeah. I think fifth is probably where the sweet spot is for this Raptors trio. You say that about Boston. Uh, I'm just going to say Pascal Siakam has been better than both Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown this season. Just, I would rather the version of Pascal Siakam we're seeing is a better overall basketball player for a healthy basketball team to thrive and survive than what you're seeing from Tatum and Brown right now. Awesome. And I think Siakam should be an all-star ahead of Tatum. Cool. 25 <laughs> points a game. Maybe uh, not have a meltdown in your locker room every two weeks. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> Maybe the, pass the ball once. I don't, I don't it's, know. <laughs> uh, it's, it's actually pretty delightful to, to watch the chaos that is ensuing in Boston. <laughs> personally um yeah. but tatum i think tatum's actually having a good year and it's weird because i feel like individually both those guys are having a good year but it doesn't really necessarily it's not working together but i will say like i'm not ready to say siakam's having a better year than tatum i think he's having a better year than brown but what i will say is although tatum's been pretty inefficient i don't know like he's like van, 52 and a half true yeah, shooting or something yeah he, he he hasn't been that great uh, van vliet i think has been better than all of them like yeah, if you were asking me between yeah. the Raptors and Celtics, who who is the best player based only on what's happened this season? I would say Fred VanVleet. 
Oh, what a delicious sentence. We're just going to leave the segment off there. We're going to move into the dude of the game coming up in just a second here. Uh, but it, within that, we're going to have to sort of talk about a couple of guys who are not going to win due to the game because it's a very special due to the game. But there are a couple of guys who deserve some shouts as well for their dude-ish efforts last night. So we'll get to that in one sec. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Built Bar, making the best tasting protein bars money can buy. They are delicious and they are good for you. If you, like me, are trying to wean yourself off of eating like a monster, goblin, gremlin, whatever creature of the night you want to sort of pass along uh, over the last couple weeks during the holidays, then Built Bars are for you. They help you get off of those bad eating habits and have something that's indulgent without having it be very, very bad for you. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a regular candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories as a minimum, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. It's just not, you're not getting the protein in that either. Why would you do that to yourself? Why would you have a candy bar when you can have the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar? They got a ton of flavors for you as well. There's a flavor for everybody. If you don't like the fruity flavors, they got mint brownie. If you don't like mint brownie, they've got fruity flavors. They've got stuff in between as well. Go check out Built Bar. I certainly, certainly recommend them. They're delicious and help you get through workouts. Nice little meal replacement, nice little snack in the afternoon. Can't go wrong with a Built Bar. Go to Built.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. That is the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Go check them out. And today's show is brought to you by BetOnline.ag, who would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march towards the playoffs and beyond in all the sports across the board. BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the sports wagering action for 2022. It's a new year, and you got a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today at and receive a 50% welcome bonus upon your first deposit. Just use the promo code LOCKEDON to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait and take advantage of all the amazing offers for 2022. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet online is where the game starts. All right, rounding out our episode here, breaking down the Suns game with Joseph Cacharo of The Score and Pound the Rock. And Joey Cash, we got to hand out the due to the game. It is the segment everyone's talking about. And we're going to hand it out in just a second. But first, I want to give some love to a couple of guys who are not going to win it who on a normal night would probably have deserved it, Justin Champagny and Chris Boucher. Boucher last night, again, 13 points, 16 boards in 37 minutes, had nine offensive rebounds. Champagny comes in, plays 10 minutes, has five offensive rebounds, pokes a ball away from Chris Paul in a one-on-one isolation situation. Just beautiful stuff. He had two points to go along with his five boards and that one steal. And both of those guys were just pivotal in helping the Raptors kind of survive this one as things got hairy in the second half. I guess we can start with Boucher quickly here, uh, Cash. Like, the Boucher we've seen lately, where he's kind of abandoned this, like, you know, high-volume three-point shooting for a little bit more of sort of a grimy, skinny Reggie Evans-ass, like, role within the team. Do you think this version of Boucher is like a sustainable commodity for the Raptors? Like anyone right now that you can trust on top of the main five guys is absolute gravy for this team and an absolute huge aid to them as they try to navigate lineups where all five guys are not available. And Boucher has been doing that for a good few weeks now. Like, do you think this is legit, this new version of Boucher where he's not kind of running and gunning and trying to knock down threes all the time and is instead getting in the dirty areas and doing nasty stuff, dude stuff, as it were? I'll say this. I think for his long-term viability in the NBA as an NBA rotation player, it better be because yeah, like the, the shooting is obviously nice. The fact that he can space the floor at his size is nice. And, and those things are important, but 
I know we've talked or I've talked about it a plenty of times. A lot of people, you know, in the Raptors Twitter sphere and, and everywhere have the basketball IQ is lacking. Like, I'm sorry. It just yeah. is. You see yeah. it way too often. The mistakes he makes defensively, even even offensively, sometimes him jumping for every rebound. Like, there's a lot of things <laughs> where he's going to cost you in a lot of ways because of that. Mm-hmm. But what this guy can do better than most NBA players is hustle at just a different level. He does have a kind of a great nose for the ball and pursuit for the ball, and he just reins himself in a little bit. So I think for his sake, and yeah, for the Raptors' sake, because their depth hasn't shown through this season. He needs to be that guy. He mm-hmm. needs to be the hustle guy that, like you said, is going in the dirty areas, that is keeping possessions alive, that's doing all that stuff. Because if he's not doing th- those things, if he's not doing the little things, then the mistakes he makes are often going to negate the points and the rebounds he's putting up anyway. So if he's not mm-hmm. doing those things, it's not a good look for him long-term and it's not going to help the Raptors much. So I, I think it is sustainable if he kind of, locks into fulfilling that role and yeah like mm-hmm. i said i think for his sake and his long-term viability as an nba rotation player i think it better be sustainable yeah i think it's pretty sustainable too because it's not like he's being fueled by like a 48 percent stretch from three on like nine attempts like he did last year in the garbage time season it was all garbage time last year by the way at least in the back half of the season i didn't take anything out of the back half of last season but you know this is more of a sort of like just sort of he's put upon himself to try harder in a lot of ways and like be more disciplined in his defensive rotations and you're seeing the results i mean you're seeing him swat chris paul threes away like with a hilarious amount of ground covered and recovery to do it like that is a chris boucher i think i can i can vibe with and have you know be a regular part of this team i've been a pretty low on Boucher and his sort of chances of helping out this roster in a meaningful way ever since he really joined the team. But this version of version of Boucher where you're not relying on him to be like a pillar of your offense off the bench and he's just kind of doing the dirty stuff. That's a great thing for me. And, and I think that's a great thing for the Raptors, of course, too. Uh, Justin Champagne as well, very quickly. I mean, God, what a delight that guy is. Just again, knows where to stand all-star, knows exactly where to be at all times, great rebounding instincts, just kind of has the ball fall into his grasp like a little baby falling from the Storks, like uh, talons, is that, I guess so? <laughs> just like yeah. scooping up little baby basketballs and, and feeding them to the rest of the guys to potentially shoot and hit, but mostly brick last night. Uh, <laughs> but like Champagne for you, like should he just be playing regular heavy minutes off the bench for this team? Like I know Precious Achua is kind of like a bigger investment for the team right now but like for me i feel way more comfortable when champagne's playing than when precious is playing because precious is a wild card in kind of a good way but also a horrifying way champagne the exact opposite of that he's just like putting an eight on the table every single time it's just like it's it's reliable it's steady it's not gonna wow you or anything like that but you got a chance when he's out there thoughts on champagne in his case for more minutes yeah, well, I think he's consistent, as you mentioned. I think even if you're talking about him versus Precious, I think it's the difference between ceiling or upside and floor, right? I think with Justin Champagne, you know what the floor is, and it'll be there every night. Consistency, I think Nick Nurse is desperately searching for that on this team this season with, like I said, the depth that hasn't really shown through. Um, Precious, future-wise, like all of that, I think the upside and the ceiling is higher. It's there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I understand kind of the long-term vision there, but yeah, I think Champagne has earned more minutes going forward, especially as this team looks like they are ready to compete for something. Now, you know, how much they're ready to compete this year, I don't really know yet, but they're they're ready to compete 
at the core level. Like they're yeah. a playoff caliber team that will be competitive every night if they're healthy. That if they were to go in the playoffs, depending on the matchup, I think they probably wouldn't win around, but I think they can talk themselves into thinking they can beat some team in the East. Sure. And so I think if you want to fulfill that promise this year, you probably want to go with the guy that does give you the the higher floor every night and you know what you're expecting from him every night. If it mm-hmm. becomes more of a development season, then maybe Precious becomes a guy. But even from that perspective, like Champagne's a rookie, you know, an undrafted rookie, but he yeah. has some future promise too. I did a piece, this is the second year in a row, I did this piece called the all-nobody all team. And what <laughs> I do is I look at like the first quarter of the season and I look for guys around the league that are were undrafted and came into this year playing less than 500 minutes. So it could be an undrafted rookie, but it could be an undraft a guy that was draft eligible eight years ago that sure. you know, for whatever reason is only really getting minutes now. And um, and I try to pick guys like that that through what I've seen through the first quarter of the the season. Last year I did it, and Watanabe made that all mm-hmm. uh, NBA all nobody team. This year I did it, and Champagne made the team for me because. I do think from what I'm seeing from him, like this guy could be a consistent rotation player going forward. And again, I think if you're looking for a guy that brings some consistency right now and that you know what you're going to get, which Nurse cannot say for most of the reserves on this team, <laughs> then yeah, I think you should be getting more minutes. That's that's not fair to Sfima High. Like, you know you're going to get some bricks when you put that guy out there. Come on now. You, you know um, you're getting maximum <laughs> chaos with that guy. Start oh calling him a joker. Yeah, it's uh, pretty wild it's stuff. Anyway, we got to get to the actual dude of the game here to wrap up the show. We're running a little bit long, but that's okay because it was a very fun and fulsome game to dig into. But the dude of the game, again, the guy who really kind of did some under-the-radar stuff to really help the Raptors cause in a given game for last night is, of course, the Raptor. Uh, <laughs> just a glorious performance for the Raptors mascot last night, skulking around in the giant inflatable costume for like a good chunk of the third quarter, just menacing, staring down as though he were a sort of malevolent or, or benevolent Godzilla, I suppose. Not like knocking buildings down, just kind of standing there like, you know I could mess you up if I tried. Um, and then, of course, at the end of the game, the, the dust up with Devin Booker, who got upset at the only fan in the building for trying to uh, distract him gets put in the corner. I don't think he should have gone to the corner. There's no rule suggesting that the mascot has to move. I think he kind of, uh, you know, he ceded to power a little bit too much there. But overall thoughts on the joy that the Raptor brought to the game last night. Uh, it seemed like if you were in the building, it really was one of the most fun things to watch while there was a very fun basketball game actually playing out on the floor. Yeah, I do think it's hilarious. And I, I genuinely believe that it's probably so disorienting to be in an empty arena now that every other arena is full. It's yeah. not like they're they're all empty arenas. So I, it's probably so disorienting in a way that I genuinely believe, like, in Devin Booker's mind, he almost saw as, like, no fans in attendance means, it, like, like the mascot <laughs> shouldn't be doing mascot things. Like, the way he reacted. If there are no thunder sticks, the mascot's not allowed to be involved. Yeah, Right. And the way he reacted to, I think, the Raptor, literally what they say, he was just, like, kind of raising his arms right at the moment Booker was going to shoot, trying to throw him There's off. There's an angle where it's seen. He's just doing this. Like, yeah, he's trying crazy. to throw him off it's his like mooning or anything like that. Right. And, and so that's uh, what I'm saying. It's, like, hilarious to me that, Devin Booker, you know, one of the great uh, players in the game who has taken countless free throws in hostile arenas throughout <laughs> his career and probably did like earlier this week and will next week because he's going to be in arenas with fans of them with mascots doing whatever to distract them. 
it's never phased them. But then because it was in an empty arena, it was like so, <laughs> hey, wait, this guy's not allowed to do that. There's no one here. It's like, yeah, I know. He's, he's not allowed to do the job that he's been doing right, for 25 right. years. Yeah, I just thought it was hilarious. It's like Devin Booker thought that it's like he thought because there's an empty arena, the mascot's also not allowed to do mascot things. Like it's well, if he's not entertaining fans, he's not allowed to distract me. Um, yeah. So anyway, I, I thought it was hilarious. And to your point, I, I the Raptors should have just stayed there and kept doing it. Now it, it looked like the ref might have told him to, which I also don't understand because it's yeah, like that's an abuse of power on the right. ref side of things. He's being a sports cop. We don't like that. Yeah. So <laughs> I, uh, I definitely was entertained by yeah. that by the most innocent of gestures like you know I, i'm not trying to take praise away from the raptor but i don't even think he did anything that special he just yeah he did what mascots usually do yeah. he tried to distract the road player it's and very it sad and, and somber existence for him right now um go read doug smith's piece today in the toronto star as well he wrote about the solitude of the raptor right now it's uh it's hard to watch man but i'm glad the raptor is making it work Raptors doing uh, his darndest to, uh, you know, insert his presence into the game when he can. And frankly, I think that with no fans, he should be allowed to take like greater liberties. Like he should be able to like, I don't know, bring out all like the baby Raptors and like have them do thunder sticks or something like that. Yeah. If he wants to do full nudity behind the net, I think that should be allowed. Um, obviously that's not going to happen, but uh, any last lingering thoughts on today's due to the game? I think that it would have been great if Joakim Noah was in attendance to set Devin Booker straight. Because if you recall that infamous uh, summer summer run that a bunch of NBA guys had when Devin Booker got up. I can't remember who it was that went to double him when Devin Booker said, like, there's no doubles. No doubles in pickup, pick yep. Yeah, because you're trying to work on your game. Uh, Joakim Noah was the one who was on the other team that then fired back at him. This is or like This is working on your game. That's part of the game. Yeah. So we, we needed Noah to be in attendance last night so that he could have reminded Devin Booker that road fans, mascots, <laughs> etc., trying to distract you with a free throw line is part of the game, bro. <laughs> we also definitely need uh, like a um, I don't know. I was just I totally lost my train of thought. No, no. We need to send the Raptor down. Right, so to, is like, someone Devin in the background Booker's... doing this to you right now? Is that why? You yeah, that's him? the thing. I, yeah, there's like a, a thing right here. The Raptors just distracting me. No, I, they, they got to send the Raptor down to Devin Booker's uh, pickup runs as like an off-season field trip uh, or something like that to really work on his craft. Uh, that's going to do it for today's show. We ran long, but again, really fun game to talk about, and it was just a delight to dig into it with you, Joseph Kasharo, host of Pound the Rock. Uh, where can people check out your wonderful work? The usual find me on the score app just wrote something yesterday actually about why DeMar DeRozan is more playoff proof now than he was in the past. So oh, check baby. out my work, check out my work on the app, check out myself and Joe Wolfon on the pound the rock podcast. And I'd encourage uh, people as well to check out the score on YouTube. Cause we do kind of like three to 10 minute uh, videos, different series on kind of trending things in the sports world, but we come at it from a little bit more of a lighthearted point of view. So those three places. Awesome stuff. Everyone, go check out uh, Pound the Rock. Check out the score. Check out all of Joey Cash's stuff. And if you're on YouTube watching the Locked on Raptors YouTube right now, just go flip over to the score and subscribe over there as well. In addition to subscribing here and uh, telling your friends about the podcast, uh, wherever you get your podcasts, please subscribe, follow, rate, review, all that good stuff. Go make your second listen of the day now, Locked on Bets, as our pals, your boy Q and Lee Sterling are helping you sort through the madness that is the COVID-ridden sports landscape right now. It's still helping you win some money. So go check them out over there. And we'll be back again tomorrow 
tomorrow as Amy Audibert is going to join the show, who's been doing some killer work both as a sideline reporter and more recently a color analyst on Raptors broadcast on Sportsnet. Very excited to have Amy on the show. That'll be tomorrow. And then Katie Hindle will pop by on Friday, probably for something like a mailbag or some sort of fun uh, conversation to close out the week. So that's what you have to look forward to. Joey Cash, thank you, man. This was lovely. And uh, for those of you out there, thank you for tuning in. We'll talk to you again tomorrow with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Bye-bye. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.